Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. You know, over the last few weeks, it's been a, a bit of a, a, an unusual time. I know the message go forward that I preached a few weeks ago was a bit like this one today and like the one last week in that I kind of figured out and thought I had something to preach and that God wanted me to say. And then almost at the last minute, God dropped something into my heart completely different to what I had. And so I remember going to the team and saying, forget all those notes I sent you. That's not what I'm going to speak about. And, uh, you know, lots of people were touched by that. Somebody came to me and they said, oh, did God change his mind, did he? And I said, no, he changed mine. Uh, And it's a bit like that with this one today, because just this week I was reading my Bible and this verse, well, I read it every week. Actually, I read it every day, but there you are. Uh, This verse popped off the page at me and I felt it's a word from God for every one of us. It is connected, I guess, to uh, that message on go forward and the grace of time, etc. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. Now, if you don't know where Zechariah is, it's the second last book of the Old Testament. So go to Matthew, then Malachi, or for the Italians, Malachi. And then you go back one more book and you find Zechariah. Zechariah is the prophet at the time the children of Israel have been tasked with rebuilding the temple. They've been in captivity and, and the work gets started, but then things get stopped and, and the people get discouraged and, and, well, practically they give up. And Zechariah 4 is a prophetic word from this prophet to the people that are involved with this rebuilding. And he says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line, that's the the building line they use to make sure something's uh, square, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel, who was the governor, the guy in charge of the rebuilding, to see him pick up the tools again, to see him start to look at the plans again, to see him start to say, let's get into this, let's begin to, to move again with God. He says, God rejoices when He sees you pick up that tool and begin to work again. And the thought struck me so powerfully that God is not as excited about endings as He is apparently about when we begin something, when we start something. We celebrate endings and celebrate conclusions. And, you know, this weekend, all of the two major football codes in Australia, people are celebrating conclusions. They're celebrating victories. They're celebrating that. But apparently what God sees is as exciting as when we start something. And so He rejoices over every seed we sow over every dream that we take action towards, over every vision that we launch. You know, one of the exciting things is to, uh, in this church, our My Story that we host online on the second Sunday, usually of every month. 
and to begin to talk with people about the small beginnings of their story. I see some people up there in the balcony and I know a little bit about their career changes and they were difficult to, at the beginning. They were hard to start, but they began with just a small step and now everybody celebrates where they are and sees the fulfilment of that and says, that's amazing. Mark and Andrew, I think back to the beginnings of Transform. And now there's, I don't know how many, hundreds and hundreds of young people at university and now scores of them that have graduated and now in their careers. And everybody, when you tell them that, I was telling someone this week and they're so excited about it and going, wow. But see, I remember the first 100 kids. I remember the first house. I remember where it was and what it looked like. And we walked into this house that had very little in it, completely bare. Nobody saw back then what it was going to look like now. And isn't it true, we often give far more weight to something once it's underway and once we can see evidence, once we can see the fruit, once we can celebrate and go, yeah, look at that. We like to look back and say, look what God has done. But God says, I want you to look and say, but what might God do? And so I seed toward that. And so I wonder this morning what it is that you need to start in your life. Maybe your spiritual life is in the doldrums and it's been like that for a while and you feel like you're going nowhere. And you go, but Jeff, I'm waiting for God to touch me. But why don't you start something? Why don't you begin something? Why don't you just give a start to that? Why not say tomorrow morning, I'll get out of bed 15 minutes earlier and set the alarm for that and I'm going to read my Bible. But Jeff, I don't understand the Bible. Well, you never will if you don't read it. You've got to start somewhere rather. Pray before you open it. God, would you enlighten my mind? Would you help me to understand the things I don't get? I remember my first prayer as a young, spirit-filled Christian when everybody around about me said, God told me this and God told me that. And I used to think, God, I must be spiritually deaf because I never hear anything from you. And so I began to pray. Honestly, I prayed this every day. God, I must be deaf. Open my ears, Lord. I want to hear. Well, I'd love to tell you that the next day I had visions of Jesus and angels visiting me, but it was no different the next day. But you see, the point was I'd begun something. I'd started something. Maybe you say, Jeff, I'm lonely or Jeff, I feel purposeless. Why don't you start serving? There's a man in this church. He may be here today. He had a conversation with me a couple of weeks ago where he said to me, Jeff, I've started serving in hope. He said, I've been lost. For about the last eight or nine years, he said, I've felt purposeless in my life. And a couple of people said to me, why not go and serve in hope? And he said, you know, I thought, well, I'm not equipped for that. I don't know what these people's lives are like, but I made a start. He said, then Amanda said to me, why not go and talk to some of these people? He said, I wouldn't know what to talk to them about. But she pushed me and so I went. And then he said to me these words. He said, I have found my purpose in life. I have found what I'm on the planet for. But see, it never would have happened if he hadn't made a start. Oh, one day everybody will celebrate the Kimberley. 
and everybody will say, wow, look what happened. Look at the transformation. But I will tell you that one day there was a start where we knew very little where we didn't have the resources, where we didn't have the people. We announced a vision when we had no one up there to carry it out. Why? Because, see, without a start, there can't be a finish. So I ask you again today, what do you need to start? Maybe it's your marriage that's going nowhere and you've just fallen into the rut of living in the same house. Maybe today what you're going to do is say, today I'm going to start doing something different. Instead of having chops, lamb chops on Wednesday, shepherd's pie on Thursday. Does anybody eat shepherd's pie anymore? Uh, you know, salad on Friday. How about, we, how about we get radical and have lamb chops on Thursday? <laughs> Woo! That'd set it on fire. Maybe instead of just turning the TV off bleary-eyed and stumbling into bed and listening to one another snore. Maybe you might just grab your spouse's husband if they're a believer and say, how about we pray before we go to bed? And of course, they'll fall out under the power or shock. See, what, what am I saying? Unless you start something, how can you ever hope to have an ending? Maybe you're alone here and every time you walk in the door, you sigh as you open the, the front door and go, here I am again, alone. Well, why not instead of doing that, why don't you go in when you go home tonight and walk in your front door? Why don't you, instead of turning on the television to give you the company of noise, why not go in there and put on some praise music and dance around your unit? I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. Oh, no, it wouldn't be stupid. No more stupid than going home and doing the same thing again and again, hoping for something different. Yeah. Maybe it's time to go home and start to say, God, I remember I was once I was living in a flat this before I got married, uh, all on my lonesome, and I was so lonely and, and it was all weird. And I remember going around banging on the walls of my flat, shouting out the name of Jesus. I didn't care what the neighbours thought because they never cared what I thought when they played their Indian sitar music and... You know, let's just say there was a certain fragrance come wafting from their apartment to mine. Amen. I think about that when some of my neighbours light up. And I just go, well, why not let the praise of Jesus go out? Come on, you may as well start something. Amen. Are you trying to start something? That's the title of my message today. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4 says this, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. He says, if you keep on, well, listen to me, if you keep on waiting for everything to get right before you start, you'll never start. If you're waiting for perfect weather, by the time it comes, your machinery's all rusty. If the farmers wait for perfect weather, they'll never start. This is what Zechariah is prophesying about. Let me read to you. This is, if you've got a Bible like mine, it gives you a little summary of the book at the beginning of it. This is what it says. It says, for a dozen years or more, the task of rebuilding the temple has been half completed. Zechariah is commissioned by God to encourage the people in their unfinished responsibility. 
rather than exhorting them with strong words of rebuke. Zechariah seeks to encourage them to action. Watch this. By reminding them of the future importance of the temple. The temple must be built for one day the Messiah's glory will inhabit it. But future blessing is contingent upon present obedience. The people are not merely building a building. They are building the future. Zechariah is saying, folks, what your life is about is so important that you can't neglect starting today because the future hangs on your obedience. The future hangs on your willingness to start something. And they've been waiting for the perfect time instead of acting in the only time any of us ever get. Now. The only time you'll ever have. My father was 99 when I sat with him at his 99th birthday and said, Dad, next year it's 100. What does turning 100 mean to you? Dad, you must, I, I thought he'd tell me he could hardly wait. The message from the Queen who was alive then, the message from the Queen, the, the Governor General, the Prime Minister, the Opposition Leader, the Governor, the of Queensland, the Premier, the State Opposition Leader, all of this was waiting for him. I said, Dad, what does it mean? And he said to me, son, it's just another day. I was a little bit downhearted by that. I, I expected him to be somewhat excited, but he finished by saying this. He said, I don't have tomorrow. It's not here yet. He said, I don't have yesterday. It's already gone. He said, I've only got today to serve God with. I thought that was powerful. See, the only time you and I ever get is the time called now. Don't wait for a perfect time or a more convenient time. Start something now. Psalm 126 verse 6 tells us they weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Well, you think about that verse for a minute. God understands that sometimes starting something is hard. Sometimes it's difficult to plant, to make the first move, to begin again, maybe to leave your past behind. Maybe your last few years have been about addiction and struggles and all that kind of stuff. Maybe, maybe you're one of those Christians who's apologised to God a million times for the millionth time you've sinned. Now you just give up and go, well, I'm never going to be free. I'll never get out of it. Why not today say, God, you give me a fresh start every morning? Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lamentation says. God, I'm going to start again. And if it's the millionth and one, God, maybe the millionth and one will be the turning point time. All I know is this, that in the Bible, everybody's beginning mostly was difficult. I know that Moses, when he turned up to the children of Israel, having met God at the burning bush, had an encounter with God so powerful, it transformed this shy, stuttering man into someone who was confident enough to understand before the mightiest man in the world at that time. But when he turned up, the children of Israel said, Who are you? Who do you think you are? We don't need you. You're no help at all. When Gideon began, they, the people wanted to, to take him out and beat him up, but God had chosen him to deliver them, but they never saw it. 
I think about Saul who becomes the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 5 says that, you know, uh, or, sorry, Acts chapter 9 talks about how when Saul gets converted on the road to Damascus and finds Jesus, Ananias lays hands on him, blindness disappears and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. That when that happens and he turns up to begin to preach, it says the entire church shunned him, turned away from him. They did not believe he'd become a disciple. What a great start. Sometimes not everyone's going to applaud your beginning. Sometimes not everyone's going to say, wow, that's amazing. I do know this, that nothing demonstrates faith more than planting a seed. And God always honours faith. But God can't grow what we won't plant. God can't grow what you never plant. I found these amongst my seed stash. Carnation seeds, dwarf, fragrant, mixed. I don't know how old they are. Suffice to say that the so before date on the bottom is well and truly faded. I guess they've been there for years. Wouldn't it be foolish of me to get these out and to say, you stupid carnation seeds, why haven't you grown me flowers? Oh, useless. I want my money back. Can you imagine me going back to the nursery or wherever I bought them and saying, your seeds don't work? I haven't got any flowers. And they'll look at the back here and they go, sir, you haven't opened the packet. I go, yeah, but where are my flowers? Huh? Think about that a minute. Some of us do that with God. God, how come you haven't blessed me? And I go, well, what seed did you sow? Did you plant anything? Amen. Did you plant anything? Like that man who told me I've been lonely and purposeless for nine years and I'm sure he would have prayed and I'm not criticising him, but all I know is this, the moment he plants a seed, all of a sudden God moves. Amen. So come on, get out the seed packets that are still in the sealed packet and start to say, what am I going to Matter of fact, I would say to you that if you're in a difficult season right now, the best thing you can do is sow a seed. Amen. Don't wait until you can afford it. Don't wait until you've got plenty. Don't wait until it's all happening in your world. God can't grow what we don't plant. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And we read that and we go, oh, beautiful. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But we missed the point that Paul said, I planted something. He said, I wasn't the whole picture. Somebody else watered it. But think about this. God wouldn't have given the increase without the first. If someone hadn't gone to plant, if someone hadn't said, I'll step out in faith. If somebody hadn't said, I'll cross the room, I'll do this. See, God isn't asking you and I to change the entire world just to change our world. Amen. We don't think we're the answer to everything. We just know we're the answer to something. Amen. Come on. You've got to believe that this morning. You're the answer to something. Somebody here today needs to hear that for your life. You are the answer for something. You're the answer for it. But if you won't plan, if you won't give God that opportunity, He can't bring increase on it. Some of us are praying, here am I, my Lord, send them. 
Oh God, I've heard about all this need. I pray you'll send somebody. And God's going, I think you're the seed. The power of a seed's not released until it's planted. But you know, in that verse we just read, I I planted a pile of water, God gave the increase. Why? Because God was watching over the seed that was planted. I don't know where it all ends up. And I've given up after all these years of trying to say, God, I'll plant once you show me the end. See, God's not like this packet of seeds because it's got a picture on the front of what it's going to look like. Amen. But I find often God will just say to me, go and do something. Go and do something. Why are we in the Kimberley? Go and do something. What's it going to look like? I don't know. How are you going to do it? I don't know. Who's going to help you? I don't know. Where's it all going to come from? I don't know. All I know is this, if I plant a seed, God gets to grow the thing into something. Amen. And if we never plant it, come on, think about it a minute. You go, well, I've been praying for that wayward son or, or, or child or whatever for so long. And Why didn't you plant a seed? Amen. God will take care of the ending if we will take care of the starting. But he can't have an ending if we don't have a start. Amen. Think about this a minute. Because there's 120, everyone loves this. 120 people on the day of Pentecost, all together in one accord, one place. All of a sudden, this is Acts 2 verse 1. And all of a sudden there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole place where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like a fire that sat on each one of them. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Powerful. Powerful. But did you know 1 Corinthians 15 says 500 people saw Jesus ascend into heaven. 500 people watched Jesus do this. And my my question is always, what happened to 380? How, How come those few weeks later, there's only 120 that said, let's start something. They said, we're going to pray. And by the way, nobody ever made a shrine at the upper room. Now, I know if you go to Israel now, they'll say, this is the upper room. And I know people that have gone into that upper room to pray and never had a day of Pentecost. Why? Because God's not the God of formulas. Amen. He only ever had one burning bush. He, doesn't, he didn't say, and by the way, come and I'll, I'll give you a whole orchard for. Because that's what we want, amen. We want predictable God. And what God's looking for is obedient people. Amen. God will take care of the ending if we'll take care of the starting. 120 on the day of Pentecost. And you go, yes, but brother, you don't understand. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and power. <sighs> I go, great. Well, look, look at what the, uh, the community thought about him in Acts 4.13 when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. King James Bible says that they were unlearned and ignorant. How'd you like that? You've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter stood up and prophesied 3,000 get saved. And all they can say about him is, gee, you don't know much, do you? Huh? You don't even have any degrees. Huh? Where'd you get your cemetery training? I mean, seminary training. You think it gets better from there? Let me read you Acts chapter 5, verse 34. Because the early church is flourishing. Gamaliel, one of the leaders of the day, stands up and he says this. He says, you know what? This is not the first time something like this has happened. 
and it's always petered out. He said, remember that guy, Judas, not that, that Judas, another one. And, you know, he seemed to have great power and authority and he drew a whole crowd of people that followed him. But you know what? It all just dissipated. There was nothing left. And he says the same thing about the church. He says, don't worry about them. It's not going to last. Huh? These people get dismissed at every turn by everybody of any influence, by anybody of, every, of any kind of standing in the community. People are saying it's not going to happen. Has someone told you, don't even bother starting, it won't work? Oh, lots of people have tried. Come on now. Do you really think? Acts chapter 17, verse 6, all of a sudden the entire narrative changes. When they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Amen. See, that's the ending. But it started with 120 people who saw Jesus ascend into heaven and heard his promise, wait here in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And 120 of them said, I'm going to start something. And they just started to pray. And they prayed for one day and two days and three and four and five and six and seven and eight and nine. And while nothing had happened, God was taking care of an ending. Because on the 10th day, we find out that the Holy Spirit falls and the church gets birthed. And that's another beginning. Why? Because if we will take the first step, God will always show you what the next step looks like. I find God never, well, for me in here, maybe I'm just weird or not as good or clever. But I find God seldom tells me the end and how it's all going to look and I just go, I'll just join the dots. I find usually he says to me, do that, and I go, sure. All right, if you say so. And you take that step. And then he goes, now do this. And you go, oh, okay, where's that going to go? And he goes, just do it. And he shows you the next step. What is it that you need to start today? Come on. I'm not just talking about the big picture. I'm talking about every picture. Because I believe that God is still in the business. I really do. I believe God is starting some things in our nation. While everybody's occupied with what's filling the media and all the controversies and all the divisions and everything else and all the things that aren't going right and the Christian leaders that don't seem to have, have walked so well. And while people are occupied with all that, God is still going to his people and saying, I want you to start something. I want you to start something. Come on, I want you to start something. Come on, I want you to start something. I know it's been difficult, but I want you to start something. I know it doesn't look like the right time, but I want you to start something. I know nobody else believes what you believe, but I want you to start something. And I believe that if we will take that first step and start something, God is going to do some of his greatest work. Let me finish by reading to you Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. What a great verse it is. It says this, There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the day, the very day that Christ Jesus appears. There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind. Why? Because God's the God of starting things that he chooses 
to follow through and finish. Amen. That song we started singing, I'd never heard it before this morning, but I loved it the moment we sang it. I'll give you my yes. I'll give you my yes despite what I don't know. I'll give you my yes despite what things might look like. I'll give you my yes. Because God wants us, His people, to say, let me start. So will all of it work? Well, you might be better than me. And maybe you'll have a long list of successes. I just have a long list of things I've tried. Some of them have worked, some of them haven't. But I thank God for everyone I trusted God in to start. Amen. Because if I'd never plant a seed, you know, will, will every seed in this packet grow? I don't know. I just know that right now none of them are growing. Because people who are afraid of failure, I said it to someone yesterday. I said, we're too afraid of failing. But you fail a lot in life. When you started learning to walk, you fell over, you hit your head, you skinned your knee. When you started learning to run, you tangled your legs up. When you started learning to talk, you mixed up all your words. Huh? You got them all wrong. Huh? Do you remember how awkward you felt in the first day at school? Why? Because you fail at a lot of stuff. But if you don't plant, then you'll never see the flower. Amen. Father, help us today in Jesus' name. Oh, God, we want to declare all of our life you've been faithful. God, we look back over there, but God, we don't want to just have a testimony of yesterday. We want to be building our future testimony today. We don't want to just be saying, look what God did. We want to be living in anticipation of what you're going to do because we give you our today yes. We're not just giving you our yes from years ago. We give you the yes from today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the excitement of following you, for what it looks like to step out of the shadows and step out of what appears normal, what's predictable, what's understandable, what makes sense. And say, God, I'm going to trust you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Some of you here in this place and online will say, Jeff, I don't know Jesus yet. I do this every week or somebody does. But can I tell you, it's never old to me. It's never just a part to tack on the end of the service. I think about the person who's lost. I think about the person who knows about church or about religion, but doesn't know Jesus. And I think about them and I, I think what it's like when they start saying, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to say yes to you. It's got nothing to do with the organisation that presents it, except that they can be there to help. But it's because your prayer isn't made to a church. Your prayer is made to Jesus. Jesus is the Saviour and He's the only one that is. Maybe you need to trust Jesus today to say to Jesus, I've been working all this out myself. I've been trying so hard to get it all right. Lord, I need You in my life. Father, I pray for those people in the name of Jesus. I pray that today, Lord, they'll say yes to You. Today they'll say, I want my sin forgiven. I want my past washed away. I want the future God that You've prepared for me. And I'm going to start something today. I'm going to go forward with you. Thank you, Jesus, for your incredible, incredible love, for your amazing, amazing grace. Help us, Lord, we pray. 
If that's you, then just where you're seated or standing or wherever you are, you can make this prayer. Let me help you with it because some people don't know how to start. So start by saying something like this to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I open my heart to You. Thank You for dying for me. Come into my life. Save me. Help me. Walk with me. Thank You, Lord. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer this morning, if you said yes to Jesus, we want to help you. And we'd love to give you a help. I love the fact that technology lets us help you. Of course, there's face-to-face help. We've got staff, we've got leaders, we've got great people in the church, people that would be a help to you and a blessing. But you know, you don't even have to wait to make an appointment. You can simply have it come to where you are. If you'll text YES, just those three letters, Y-E-S, text that to 488 Or if you're outside of Australia or you want it via email, you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, we'll send you the next day a Bible verse. We'll send you a prayer. And they're different every day. It comes to you for 30 days. There's no strings at all attached. It's our desire to help you and encourage you, to cheer you on in a walk with God. Because believe me, the start is great, but the journey is even greater. And He wants to help you. And so we'd love to send that to you and just encourage you and be a blessing to you. So God bless you. As you do that, we congratulate you and we're excited about those yeses that'll come in this week of people saying, I want to follow Jesus. Amen. 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 How many people are ready to start something? I hope you are. I hope that's all of us. Amen. I think we should sing together that song. Thanks, team. The new one, I don't even know what it's called. Running to the light, is it? Beautiful. Well, you all have to sing it because I sure don't know it yet. Thank you, Tendai. Can we stand together and sing this song? Make it our prayer this morning, Jesus. I'm going to say yes to you. When you get to that part, make it yours. That's awesome. Sing it again. I don't know it yet. Come on, here we go. 
Hey, God bless you. Pastor Bruce is online for ministry time. John and Trudy, please take the opportunity. Now, if you have to wait, it's worth the wait. Let someone agree with you. Let someone lay hands on you. Let someone believe God uh, with you this morning. God bless you. Don't forget tonight, five o'clock is Faith, Hope and Love. We're praying for the nations tonight. It's going to be fantastic. God bless you. Have an amazing week as you start something. Amen.